0: So we have recommenced our studies in Mark's Gospel, and we are travelling now uh, to Jerusalem, uh, to that uh, climax of Jesus's uh, work in this world, and uh, we are looking at the section uh, that was read. But if you want a verse, it's verse forty-five. A very well-known words, verse forty-five in Mark chapter ten. For even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I think that's one of my favourite summaries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what caused Jesus to make this astounding statement about himself and his work? Well, it all arose out of an argument that occurred between the disciples. Now, the disciples of Jesus Christ weren't um, perfect. Uh, We tend to think, don't we, uh, of Christians as without blemish in the wrong sense. Oh no, the disciples were just people like you and I are. And uh, they were arguing over who would be greatest in the kingdom. So Jesus Christ, three times now, has taught his disciples that they're going to Jerusalem and he's going to be betrayed and put to death and then on the third day he's going to rise again. Three times he's taught them about that. Do you know what a good teacher has to do? I used to be a teacher. I didn't survive. I was four years a teacher. What you're supposed to do if you're a teacher is explain something and then you see that glazed look. In people's eyes so what you do is explain it again but in a different way and you still see that glazed look and then you explain it one more time in a slightly different way and that's what the lord jesus christ the greatest of teachers has been doing and after the third time at least james and john understood that he was going to suffer and then enter his glory and come back And what they ask him, that's what we had in the reading, is when he returns in his kingdom with all the pomp and the circumstance that they will be granted a place at the high table, one on his left, the other on his right hand. And he looks at them and he's basically saying, you don't know what you're asking. You still haven't got it. And he says, I haven't come to be served. You're still thinking like the world thinks about greatness. Oh, no, I haven't come to be served, but to serve. So let's look at this statement. And I've got three things to say about it. The first is this, the title that Jesus uses for himself. The Son of Man. Now, a title is an important thing. Uh, I've never understood my title, Uh, the the word reverend. I I don't get it, Uh, but I don't want to talk about reverence this morning. This title, The Son of Man, if you were in the Bible study on Monday, Howell George uh, explained this uh, in an excellent way. So I feel as if I'm uh, stealing, Howell, some of you are stuff the son of man you know it's an old testament title uh, what we call a messianic term Uh, god promised in the old testament that one day he would send a messiah to deal with all of our problems and here he is come and uh, you know the son of man doesn't just refer to the humanity of jesus christ the emphasis is on this, the Messiah, the one prophesied in Daniel chapter 7, the one who is the king of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, very God of very God, 100% divine, the one promised through the ages, is come. And the humanity then of Jesus Christ is this, the Son of God, Coming as a man. The condescension of that. That's what the Son of Man emphasizes. The fact that this royal visitor humbles himself and becomes one of us. You know, that's amazing. The Son of Man came. When you think of greatness as the world thinks of greatness, you haven't understood Christianity. The greatness here is God. Uh, in the words of C.S. Lewis, God becoming a man is like one of us becoming a slug. Do you like slugs? I... No one likes slugs, do they? A slug is even lower than a snail, I think. <laughs> well, C.S. Lewis said, for the son of God to become a man is like for a human being to become a slug, and even that isn't enough of a comparison. The amazing condescension of the Son of God. And I just want to concentrate here on his humanity then, in terms of this condescension. Don't you feel sometimes that you need something human? You know, there's such a thing as the milk of human kindness Even in a fallen world, people who are not perfect, who are sinners, can be kind. You don't find that in the animal kingdom. And you know what, my friend? Jesus Christ is the perfection of human kindness. Let let me give you an illustration. Uh, We uh, heard about um, welcoming students one of my favourite stories about welcoming a student is what happened to one student who was worshipping many years ago in a central london church and he sat next to an elderly gentleman now you talk to the student after the service and you might have a surprise student if you talk to people here you might have a shock because this student talked to the person sitting next to him i don't know who started the conversation and I think it was the older person. They said, What what are you doing? And he said, I'm a student. What are you studying? Law. And then the student asks, And what are you doing? What do you do? And this man said, I'm in the law business as well. Now the man who said that was none other than Lord Mackay, who at the time was the Lord Chancellor. I think that's the second highest position in the country after Prime Minister. What condescension? He didn't say, I am the Lord Chancellor, bow down before me. (laughs) Oh no, he said, I'm in the law business as well. And you know what? Jesus Christ is like that. Jesus Christ, when he came as the Son of Man, he didn't hold on to this title. He didn't kind of say to people... You give me the authority that I deserve. Don't you realise who I am? Oh, no. He delighted to be a human and to be accessible to people like you and me. Uh, One of my favourite hymns, it's the first one in our supplements. It says of Jesus Christ, a man there is, a real man. He wasn't a freak. He was 100% human. Who once on Calvary died, this wondrous man of whom we tell is true almighty god and this is what i want to mention that human heart he still retains though throned in highest bliss don't you want something human if your circuits are down don't you want that human heart to empathize with you here he is the son of man how are you feeling this morning christian or non-christian how are you feeling you've probably come in here with burdens are you in pain are you suffering from a chronic illness a lot of people in the church do we can't empathize with you but here is one who can be touched have you got the sorrows of the mind that's horrible and nobody seems to understand you he knows he can be touched by the feeling of your infirmities are you feeling isolated are you feeling that you haven't got a friend in the world oh as we sang here is a friend that sticks closer than any brother the son of man the son of god human if you come into the vestry uh, you will have a photo of all the different pastors of the church, and then there's a photo of Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, one of the greatest preachers Wales produced. He wasn't a pastor of this church, he was a good friend. He was very famous. Another famous person, Eddie Stobat, was a Christian. Eddie Stobat, who founded the lorry driving firm, and they were having Lloyd-Jones to stay with them, the Stobats. He was preaching up, I think, in Carlisle. That's where the Stobats lived. And the Stobart children were told we're about to have an important visitor. This great preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. You've got to behave yourselves. That's what they were told. And so the children, they were kind of kept quiet as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was being entertained. So... After one meal, the the children were tucked away in one of the rooms and there's a knock on the door. And in comes in this great Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And like a little boy, he turns to the children and asks them, do you mind if I join you? They were watching the snooker and he loved his snooker. And so he sat on the sofa with them, enjoying the snooker with them. This great preacher, this important visitor who had come to stay, he didn't stand on ceremony like his master, the Lord Jesus Christ. He went to that house and he just was a human being. So that's the first thing, the son of man, the saviour I'm with pleasure. I've got to say that after singing the first hymn, with pleasure preaching about this morning is one even though he's almighty God he's human and he still retains that human heart Uh, the next thing look at what he says secondly the son of man did not come to be served but to serve oh I like that you would have thought that this royal visitor would have had all the pomp and circumstance, and that he would have demanded people uh, to serve him, that he would have had uh, a retinue, as it were. And he could have. uh, He said when he was uh, going to the cross, that he could have asked for uh, a fleet of angels to take him from the cross and to get him back to heaven. But he didn't. He willingly submitted himself that's the amazing thing about this son of man who condescends to become one of us and then when he's dwelling amongst us he doesn't lord it over people as he could have done but he serves people he serves people Uh, when we started mark's gospel we in chapter one had a typical sabbath day in jesus's life you, you know, when you spend time with a person, it's only then that you get to know a person. You know what I mean? When you spend several weeks and months with a person, as these disciples had done, you begin to realize what they're really like. You know, that there are people who were considered nobodies, but after spending time with them, I realized they were spiritual giants. I think Jesus Christ, would have been like that to perfection let me mention one of his first Sabbaths we came across it in Mark 1 just to emphasize what we're getting at James and John would have seen this in Jesus Christ what did Jesus do in his first Sabbath well he preached he was a great preacher and you know what happened in that sermon in the synagogue in uh was it Capernaum somebody interrupted him a man with a, a, an unclean spirit, I think, interrupted him. Now, most of you haven't preached. I've only been heckled once. I, I've been heckled once. I was preaching in an old people's home and talking about the need to be washed, and an elderly lady piped up, "But I've had my bath this morning." <laughs> That's the only time I've been heckled. Jesus was interrupted several times. What he didn't do was say, how dare you interrupt me? Don't you know I'm the son of man? Instead, he took the interruption as God giving him an opportunity to heal that person. He came to serve not to be served do you know where he went after preaching he went to somebody's house to have a meal i remember chris reese of Narbeth telling me about one american preacher that they had preaching Narbeth. Narbeth is out in the sticks in pembrokeshire and chris had arranged like any other preacher for this man to be entertained in a member's house and to stay there But this American preacher couldn't understand that. He wanted to stay in a hotel, not just any hotel, a five-star hotel. Well, poor Chris would say, we haven't got a five-star hotel in Pembrokeshire. We haven't even got a five-star hotel in Swansea. (laughs) You'd have to stay in Cardiff. You see, this man was standing on ceremony. He was thinking, I have come, in effect, to be served. Oh, Jesus Christ wasn't like that. After preaching in that synagogue in Capernaum, do you know where he had his meal? Not in a five-star hotel. I was in Capernaum a few months ago. Have you ever been to Capernaum? Nazareth is a big place. Capernaum is tiny. It's, It's really nowhere. And yet Jesus Christ was happy to preach in Capernaum. Oh, we are sometimes asked aren't we uh, those of us who preach are you okay coming to us Uh, I sometimes preach in Tregaron and the people there ask me are you okay coming to just a small group of people like us if you're pastoring a large church in Cardiff of course I'm delighted to come to you because my master delighted to preach in Capernaum this small place and he was delighted to stay in Peter's house I saw Peter's house. It's smaller than a cottage. He stayed there. And do you know what happened there? The crowds thronged because they wanted to be healed. They'd heard about the miracle that had taken place. Oh, I'm sure the disciples wanted to keep them away. But Jesus didn't say, oh, I need to rest. I don't want to be interrupted. No, no. He was willingly available to them the son of man did not come to be served but to serve a little later on after mark 10 don't we read about him doing the most menial of tasks we just read about it and take it for granted but when they went to celebrate the passover the last supper as it became when they went into the house you know what would happen in the Middle East, it, I think it still happens uh, occasionally, uh, because the roads are so dusty and you're wearing sandals, uh, the servant in the house would wash the guests' feet. And when they went to this room to keep the Passover, there was no servant. And you can imagine, can't you, the disciples thinking in their minds, who's going to do that task? I'm not going to do it. That's below me. And imagine not just their surprise, but dare I say, their shock, when it's their master who takes the towel and goes to the bowl and fetches it and washes their feet. H- have you seen that um, documentary about um, President Putin's Russia? And you get this clip of Putin uh, walking through the Kremlin and all these rooms these great chambers and all these big doors. Uh, And what you can see is the poor servants. (laughs) As Putin is walking through each room, you can just see the servants opening the doors. So Putin doesn't have to touch anything. Do you know what I was reminded of? Watching that. Do, Do you want to serve Jesus Christ? I know I'm meant to be preaching... A gospel to unbelievers but this gospel is to us as christians do you really want to follow jesus christ do, maybe you want to have the top place on the table maybe you want to be the one up front if you really want to follow this jesus christ are you happy to be the servant who's opening the door are you happy for that be, before i became a pastor. Do you know what my job was in the Welsh Evangelical Church down the road? I was the one welcoming people at the door. And the word of the psalm comes to mind, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Are you satisfied doing the most menial of tasks if you're doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he, the son of man, when he came in his condescension, he was happy to get his hands dirty and even to wash his disciples' feet. And sometimes people ask me um, if I'm the pastor and I never know what to say because the word pastor, I... I'm not used to in Welsh we call the person leading the church the Gwene dog and in English it means the minister and in a way that talks about what my attitude and what our attitude as Christians should be we're here to minister to one another not to lord it over one another isn't it tragic when you hear of Christians trying to control other Christians I know of small chapels in Wales and you've got people with their own little fiefdoms. It's pathetic. We shouldn't be trying to control one another. We shouldn't be trying to lord it over one another because our master wasn't like that. We should be asking one another instead, how can I help you? How can I serve you? I remember um, hearing from John Stott, another great preacher who's gone to glory now, how he was once uh, assigned a chaplain he was an anglican minister so he was assigned a chaplain to the queen imagine that and it was either balmoral or um another of the royal homes that he was attending a barbecue at and the members of the royal family they cook the barbecue i think the duke of edinburgh does the sausages for the hot dogs and then something was dropped on the floor And John starts, hurries, uh, goes on his knees to try and clear it. But the queen comes and she gets on her knees and says, no, 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 you don't do that. I'll clean it up. Isn't that amazing? It's no less amazing than the king of kings coming and going on his knees, serving these disciples. Now, I must hurry up my third point supremely he humbled himself by going to the cross for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many let me just go through these terms very quickly the word ransom that's what was happening on the cross what's a ransom we're all familiar aren't we with the term a ransom being paid maybe somebody has been kidnapped and they're being held captive and uh, a ransom is demanded a payment and on the payment of that ransom those who are captive are released and that's what happened on the cross of Jesus Christ uh, why is this world in the state it's in it's because we're captive we're, we are captive to our sin we're captive to the devil we, we can't do anything about it uh, Wesley put it well in his hymn Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. It's not just that our hearts are exceedingly wicked and deceitful, but we can't do anything about it. We are held captive. And what Jesus did on the cross, glory be to his name, was he paid the ransom that set the captives free. And do you know what he had to do? He explains to James and John, they want to sit on his right hand, on his left hand. And he says to them, are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with a baptism that I am baptized with? Do you know what the ransom was that he paid on the cross? Do you know how far he had to go? He had to drink a cup and that cup was filled with the wrath of God against your sin and mine. And he had to be baptised. What does the word baptised mean? It means to be immersed. And on the cross he was fully immersed with the righteous anger of God so that we could go free. Blessed be his name. That's what he did. I want to mention um, it was 30 odd years ago, the Chernobyl disaster. How many of you remember that? It affected even the sheep in North Wales. The nuclear disaster in Chernobyl in the present-day Ukraine. It used to be the Soviet Union. There's a docudrama uh, that's come out about it. And you know, that disaster would have been much worse if it wasn't for three men who went under the reactors into the water. They dived into the water and turned the water supply off because a huge nuclear meltdown would have occurred if they hadn't done that now those three men knew that they were probably not going to live after doing that that they would be so influenced by the radioactivity that they would die after a few days actually they went on to live (laughs) but they didn't know that they willingly went into that water in order that a host would be saved. Jesus Christ, not only willingly, but knowing full well that he would die, went to something far worse than radioactive water. He went to that cross and he was immersed with something far worse, the wrath of God. We can't fully take it in, can we? Uh, Hell, that's the wrath of God hell is for eternity because we've offended an eternal god but imagine that hell that eternal hell condensed for three hours that's what he had to suffer and think of one person suffering the wrath of god for eternity think of billions upon billions of people suffering the wrath of god for eternity and think of that being condensed for three hours that's what jesus christ the son of man suffered On that cross. For you and for me. Oh what a saviour. I think we sang this when Roger Carswell preached. Oh what a saviour. That he died for me. From condemnation. The wrath of God. A meltdown, far worse than nuclear meltdown. And that day is still coming. Are you ready? It's only in Christ we can be safe. From condemnation, he has made me free. How can I be saved? He that believeth on the Son, saith he, hath everlasting life. Do we believe on him? Oh, have we bowed the knee to Jesus? Have we seen it? What these disciples couldn't get their minds around? That the Son of Man has come in order to be our ransom and that he's paid the price and we can go free if we are trusting in him. Oh, we're free. We're free to serve him. We're freed from the control of others. The church isn't a cult. The church is a place for free men, women, and children. Our only authority is the word of God. Wonderful. Blessed Savior, can you say this? We are wholly thine so freely loved so dearly bought our souls to thee we would resign to thee would subject every thoughts do you know what happened to james and john do you, do you know their history james became a leader well they both became leaders in the church james was one of the leaders in the jerusalem church and early on in the book of acts he was executed Uh, by King Herod sudden death sudden glory John however lived to a ripe old age he was known as John the Aged or was that Paul the Aged I can't remember but he he lived well into his 80s but for much of his life he was an outcast he was sent uh, where he wrote Revelation to the Isle of Patmos Suffered for Jesus Christ. But for James and John, their pathway to glory was through suffering. That's the pattern. If you become a Christian, if you bow the knee, if you resign to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, it's not going to be a bed of roses. It's through suffering that we enter into the glory of the kingdom. But this is what I want to say in that suffering we experience his nearness and that my friend is better than what all the world can offer us isn't that true christian let me close as we come to the lord's table count zinzendorf i love that name don't you count zinzendorf he wrote many hymns he lived two three hundred years ago a moravian christian do you know how he was saved as a young man, maybe even younger teenager, he saw a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross and underneath the picture were the words, I have done this for you. I have done this for you. What will you do for me? What will you do for me? We're not saved by what we do. It's what Jesus has done, 100% that saves. But no one that is a true Christian can remain the same. What are you doing for Jesus Christ if you are saved? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. For his name's sake, amen.